0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on October the 9th of 2019. I am Nick. Usually I'm joined by Chris on this podcast, but it's, it's, it's October, so I don't know if, if Chris is actually here or if it's this bizarrely identical compatriot this week.
1: The Spookmaster General!
0: Yeah, that is that is the name that he goes by, Yes. You know, I'll uh, say something for this. Yes. go go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: No, no. I've uh, the Spookmaster General is prepared to be spookifying at any moment. So please. No okay. Moment.
0: Yeah, I will say. You know, I think that I've uh, expressed in the past. You know, my uh, lack of patience for this whole you know gimmick of yours. You know, oh, I'm scary and stuff like that. But you know what? You came back with a fresh approach last week. Had the cool mask. Uh, had some good lines. Was getting really into it. So I think, in order to really solidify uh, and get this uh, new take on the character over, uh, what I should do is beat you to death for ten minutes straight until the referee says I'm killing you too hard, and then you get up and attack me like nothing happened. Uh, that'll that'll Ow. get it. Up.
1: I mean, that sounds good, but ideally, could this take place uh, within the confines of a rule system where a man has literally fallen from the ceiling and another man has been hung inside the arena itself to establish that this really does go as far as the rules will allow?
0: And I think also to really drive it home that just how badly I'm beating you to death, uh, I should attack you with something that has been used in this match type at least half a dozen times previously, no problem. Uh, that'll that'll make people happy. And then, if it doesn't make people happy, then we'll just shit on them for being unhappy and say that they're the problem, not now, us.
1: Now, Nick, I like all of these plans, but what I'm really wondering is if this is going to be a big success, do we have Tyson Fury available? <laughs> <laughs> or an appearance, because everyone's talking about him. I don't know if you guys have heard. If you go into trendy topics right now on Twitter, uh, we'll ignore that one and that one and that one. You scroll uh, down, but if you still. get, <laughs> if you go to Tyson Fury's Twitter page, you're gonna see him all over the place. It's what all the kids are talking about.
0: Yeah, so we need that uh, for our product. By the way, incidentally, I didn't know who Tyson Fury was until you know, five days ago, but apparently he's really popular. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, he's popular in a sport that's no longer relevant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I say this with a brother who's a humongous. Bu- the only reason I know is because I was talking to my brother this weekend and he was like, did Tyson Fury show up on WWE or something? I was like, yeah. He's like, huh. All right. And that's the most mainstream crossover I think boxing has had since the the fucking uh, Conor McGregor fight.
0: Anyway, uh, we were definitely talking about the Spookmaster General and not anything else that uh, made Nick angry this past weekend. Don't worry about it.
1: I think, Nick, perhaps the best way to proceed with the Spookmaster General is to learn his terrifying origin story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, which is so elaborate that it can't possibly be in just one week. So I think, uh, perhaps scattered throughout the remaining episodes of Halloween month, you'll get tiny little nuggets of the lore of the Spookmaster general. Okay. Uh, and then once you, piece without, them... without warning
0: uh, mm-hmm. at all whatsoever, yeah. so just to come in there.
1: Uh, and once you get all the pieces together, it will reveal a hidden treasure somewhere in the world but you have to race the Spookmaster General's ghost there. Because if he gets his treasure before you, then you must guard it for all eternity.
0: The, sp- the Spookmaster General is dead?
1: Yeah, obviously. Uh, that was my phone <laughs> saying that yes, he's dead. Obvious. <laughs> <I> Nick, <mean, laughs> Nick, hold on, wait. Nick, it's me, the ghost of the Spookmaster General. See, Nick, it's the, the Spookmaster General. And I'm the regular one. So that's obviously the ghost calling you. Okay. Huh? Can you can you have your phone ring again?
0: Um, I will in about five minutes because it'll be eight o'clock, and I always get a notification at eight o'clock. So. Nick.
1: Okay. I'm not gonna remember at that point. Five minutes from now. See that? No. Hold on. Tidbit first of the Spookmaster General's origin. He was, he was born in a world without clocks
0: okay yeah so like a long time ago before they were invented or just like an alternate dimension where the concept of timekeeping was never created
1: it's intentionally ambiguous like the ending of Sopranos you make up the story
0: We do have a lot of manga to talk about this week, so I guess we should get into it.
1: And I have 74 more tidbits about my backstory to get through. Yeah, so
0: we've got to move on. We can't linger on each individual one. We we can only spare about three seconds on each one. (laughs) Uh, We have a lot of manga to talk about this week because we have uh, a couple chapters of World Trigger. Uh, It's that time of the month. And also, we are starting off on adding Spy Family to the recap, and that's something we're going to be doing every couple of weeks. Uh Uh, So let's just get into our recap stuff. My Hair Academia, number 245, Rise to Action. Uh, I expressed last time that we talked about this series that I wasn't really sure about, you know, what. Endeavor was supposed to be getting from what Hawks was secretly trying to tell him. But we get more detail on that and we actually see the thought process that both of them go through. And so this works a lot better, I think, um, because Hawks is you know giving Endeavor this very serious look after very ambiguously telling him something about the Metal Liberation War book that he's passing off to him. Uh, meanwhile, the students are still there and they're watching this happen and they're kind of watching them stare intently and Then they're like, oh, oh, yeah, he's kind of like trying to share a book with him. What's that about? And Hawks is like, oh, I've got got books for all of you guys. And he's acting again like he's spreading the good word about this thing that he's discovered.
1: Boots Nick, don't you mean Cox? Sometimes it's not spooky. Sometimes I'm a juvenile (laughs) loser. (laughs) My hat. now. It is preserved
0: once more. Pay no attention to that baldness beneath the hat.
1: Exactly. My hair is actually made of worms. That's not a law <laughs> fact. That's a condition. No. Uh,
0: it's gone. It's, it's gone. gone for good. It's gone now. For- uh Hawks flies away. Hooray. And uh then. Todoroki and Deku are both like, oh, wow, he's only six years old. He he comes off as so wise. And of course, Baku's like, fuck him, hate him. Uh, They head to Endeavor's agency. They actually get there this time and we meet a bunch of his sidekicks who are all weirdos, um, including, what is her name? Burnin. That's her name, Burnin. She's got fire hair
1: they're all and, kind uh, of like fire themed which i suppose yes. is makes sense yeah
0: they even say flame on like the human torch uh they say that you know they're very busy uh they've got a lot of people who work at the agency so the people that they're taking on for this course they're going to have to basically work really hard in order to actually get a chance to stand out and do anything because they're kind of actually going to be competing with the people who are already at the agency Bakio is already fired up because Hawks was kind of stepping on uh, their chance to do something. Uh, And uh, then they learned that, uh, oh, Endeavor is actually over in his office right now. You guys are going to have to actually wait for his orders to do anything. And of course, we see that Endeavor is trying to think about what the hell Hawks was talking about. And we see that the thing that actually occurred to him was the fact that he was just acting differently than usual. Uh, And we see that the wording on some of the stuff that he said does actually come across as kind of striking, such as Hawks trying to pass on responsibilities to Endeavor. Whereas when he was talking about the book, he said, "Oh, this is perfect. Everyone needs to carry their own responsibility." Uh, so he's like, "Okay, so that's him actually saying different from what he was saying before." And uh, he could tell that like that serious expression he was making when he was passing the book on to you that wasn't the real you. And he recalls the last words that Hawkes said to him before leaving, which were pretty straightforward. That's my second recommendation in so many words. And so he looks at all the highlighted passages that Hawks has highlighted in the book. And he takes the second word from each one. And that gives an actual uh, message, which is opponent is Metal Liberation Army. And there's more information passed on from that, what their numbers are, what they're planning on doing. That kind of thing. From what uh, happens when Hawks gets back to the Metal Liberation Front, uh, it seems as though he has not been found out. He goes in for a meeting, says what he's been up to, supposedly. And they're like, oh, hey, yeah, look, there's there's uh, Izuku, I'm among the guys that you were talking with. Hmm, OK. Uh, and uh, after that, they're like, all right, good job. See ya. And Hawks walks out through the door, but he uses his feathers to listen in on what they're talking about. And he actually spies on them to get some more information as they discuss that Tamura is who they're waiting on. They're waiting on Tamura to get his power, and then they will strike. Four months from now is when they're planning on acting, and they're planning on just destroying everything, apparently. Uh, They refer to the plan as, like, destruction for all. And there's just a shot of just all of Japan uh, seemingly decaying, uh, like Tamora's power causes. So,
1: So, two things. First, uh, I like they have the little round table meeting. I kind of wish Gigantomachia was there in a little bow tie. And it was just (coughs) him like, just bagels? We couldn't get a more elaborate (coughs) spread? I mean, (laughs) Panera caters, guys. It's not that expensive. I would have pitched in. All for
0: one would have gotten a better <laughs> spread than this.
1: It's the You couldn't even go to Philadelphia Pretzel Factory, get some pretzels and cheese. Just bagels. These ones are kind of hard, too. I don't know if you got them this morning and, you know, didn't put them in a fridge or anything. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> the <This> Metal Liberation <laughs> Army is pretty cheap when it comes to the hors d'oeuvres.
0: Nobody wants to interrupt him because they're afraid that he's going to kill them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're just like, just let him. He's just—it's just, he, such a minor
0: thing, but just if we if we interrupt him now, then he'll actually do something about it.
1: <laughs> like three hours later, and the coffee—the coffee is the just kind of media. Like I—I kind of want decaf, guys. I don't want to be up all night to like you sleep for three days straight or something like that. It's like, yeah, but I have a st- bedtime. I want to hit. <laughs> You know, I have this app. It shows me how much I've been sleeping and not. (laughs) It hasn't been great recently, guys. I'm going to admit. You know what the dangers are of missing your sleep schedule? (laughs) (laughs) Stress
0: will cause you to die (laughs) early.
1: I don't know about you guys, but I've got a lot of things in my future. I'm going to be a dancer. And another thing, when was my standing
0: desk coming in, I really need... Do you know how hard it is for someone who is 50 feet tall to go at a regular desk? I need a standing desk.
1: They're like, well, that's going to be a lot of work. He's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry to inconvenience you. Would you like me to inconvenience HR with these discrimination claims? (laughs) No, it's not that you're less abled. It's that you're too abled is the problem we need you to... Pull back a little bit. Stop crushing doors when you swing them open. <laughs> well, i just like to show my authority. How dare you? <laughs> uh, the second thing I wanted to note was just that... Yes. Uh, <laughs> I have another tangent now. Now, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> like how Hawks's grand plan is the most obvious code in existence. Uh. Like, like I, I can't tell you how many, like anytime a story needs a puzzle and it doesn't really want to work hard on, like it's a word. puzzle, Like, I don't know what this is. Wait a minute. If I just circle every other letter, Oh my God. And I'm like, you know, our eyes are kind of trained to pick up on those messages. Right? Like, (laughs) I feel like anyone who's listening would be like, he highlighted a bunch of passages in the book. Well, why don't we go check these? These are really weird half sentence fragments that he decided to highlight. It's like, uh, I mean, that's a few, true. A few months apart, he decided to highlight that?
0: But, I mean, it's not as though, like... <laughs> it's not as though they're going to look at... I don't think that they have actually, like, something trained on the book as he's
1: highlighting no, it, I, I, at they least. Don't, but. They don't have it, but I would have to assume... That, but, if then again, if, if, there's still if, members of the middle of the liberation army who don't trust him and are suspicious of him
0: so yeah you,
1: you'd assume one. so of he
0: could guys, have very well just like written in the in the in the uh, uh, margins of the book like here's what's going on yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah he could have just handed them like a book and an insider like elaborate detailed plans on like whole blueprint <laughs> sheets and they're like huh
0: it folds out like a road map. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, we index these and everything. This is incredible.
0: It's entirely possible that someone has caught on to them anyway. They're just not acting on it yet. Yep. But I'm sure, we'll see. Uh, it was an all right chapter overall. Um, it's, it makes more sense for the passing on the message than the previous one did. Like I said, uh, but maybe it's a little too obvious now. <laughs> Who knows? Might be. Okay. Chris, let's talk about Spy Family. Sorry, Spook Master General. Let's talk about Spy Family.
1: Yes. yes. Let's see if we could come up with a spooky name in this series.
0: Well, there's no title for the chapter. It's just Mission Fifteen. So, anyway, uh, but Nick, so, don't you
1: mean Mission Fifth Bleed?
0: That was never mind. So
1: <laughs> it worked. Don't say it didn't.
0: So the last couple of chapters that we've had on Spy Family, for those of you who uh, haven't caught up with it, uh, I've been focusing on Lloyd and, uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten her name already. his, His wife. Yor? Yor. Lloyd and Yor had to, you know, pull one over on her brother to make it seem as though they were a legit married couple. Anya kind of shifted to the background. In fact, she was just sleeping for most of it and wasn't there. So we've got a chapter that is focused on Anya to kind of make up for that. This chapter is like the first one we're covering for Spy Family is like simultaneously an inappropriate chapter for Spy Family to give an idea of what it's about and also a really appropriate one to give an idea for what it's about because this is a dodgeball chapter. She and her classmates are playing dodgeball against another class and we see basically a little bit more of the stuff of the evolving relationship... So you lost your chance to to, to, to do something there. Neither there you go. Me, the uh, it was Master sent into the General past.
1: Ghost. Law <laughs> fact number two. Because he was born in a world without clocks, the Spookmaster General is frequently late. <laughs> He's killed a lot of people on November 1st. <laughs>
0: It'd be a weird twist. When it's, ah, we've made it to midnight the next day. And then he comes through the door. I'm
1: late. <laughs> I just run through a bulldozer through the house. And I'm like, what day is it?
0: <laughs> we see some of the evolving relationship in this chapter between Anya and Damien, the son of the target that uh, Lloyd has to uh, go after. Uh, and they've got to work together because they're in the same class and they're going up against another class. Uh, the problem is that there is a genetic freak on the other team who is, I don't know, seven feet tall
1: <laughs> and muscular. I don't think <laughs> he's, he's they're supposed to be like eight. <laughs> he's he's. I don't think he's supposed to be seven feet tall. I think he's a, like an a normal sized adult though who just happens to be six years old. Six years old. <laughs> so it's just this dude who's like like an athlete at like adult athlete at six years old. Pretty much. And so it's this is
0: what they've got to deal with. This guy who is both very smart and very physically gifted. Uh, he takes out like four of their classmates with one throw by rebounding the ball off of all of them. Uh, and things just get worse and worse as time goes on. Uh, pretty quickly, Anya's class is down to like five people. Uh, Damien's uh, cohorts uh, take blows for him so that he's not eliminated. Anya's actually doing pretty well because... Her ability to read minds allows her to detect exactly where he is going to aim. And so she dodges them. Ha ha. Hooray. Uh, But still, it's things aren't going so well. Um, Even when the guy uses his slider shot, which means that it'll just change course in midair. She can still stand still. And so it misses her, but it takes out a guy behind her. So it's just down to her and Damien. And that's it. Um, Damien kind of gives her a little bit of a compliment and she does her (laughs) face at him because she's six. Uh, but she falls over. She just, she, uh, she kind of slips, uh, because she's close to the out-of-bounds mark and she loses her concentration. So, uh, the big kid takes this as his opportunity to take her out, even if she can, you know, react really well she's on the ground. Uh, and so Damien's like, well, you know, this is my chance to stand out. The reason that they're trying to stand out is because they are under the impression that the winner, the MVP of the match, will get a uh, a good boy star, whatever they're called. The Stella,
1: Stella Stars or something like that.
0: Also, Hendrickson is sitting in on this uh, instead of their regular coach. So he is there, too. Yay. Um, so Damien's thinking to himself as he looks What's down. Nick? Yes, Chris. Don't
1: you mean Hendrick Skellington? Sure,
0: sure I'll give it to you. <clears throat> Damien thinks to himself Ooh,
1: that was a very scary pun
0: he you're going to make your light bulb burn out by doing that like <laughs> Damien is a, is about ready to let Anya get eliminated because uh that means that like hey I'm, I'm still in this we've got a chance of you know winning it anyway and I'll have a chance to stand out but instead oh he steps in the way of the shot and it's actually a really cool image. Uh, it, it looks like very shown-in action uh, Eve, like he's absorbing a blast for her while she's crouched on the ground behind him. Uh, but he can't hold on to the ball that drops out of his hands, and thus that eliminates him from the match. So <clears throat> Ani is completely blown away because, like, hey, this guy who hates her actually protected her. And he's like, no, no, it wasn't. I, I, I was trying to catch the ball. That's all. Uh, don't screw this up. And so Anya stands up. Ah, the future is in my hands now. And she remembers the advice that... Shit. That her mother gave her. Uh, You're saying that, okay, here's what you have to do in order to uh, do... I love that there's even a little explanation of the flashback of Lloyd being like, did you used to play sports a lot? No, no, I used to play catch with my brother. And she's like, I can't tell him that my real job involves lots of vigorous throwing, which is a very bizarre way of putting that.
1: Like, I guess you vigorously throw knives into people's backs, <laughs> but uh, vigorous throwing is not the way I would describe it, but sure. Throw that gun! Ha! So...
0: Um, she gets very determined, Anya does, and is like, I can't let him die in vain. And Damien's just, just walked over to the sidelines, like, I'm not dead before you but she vows to avenge him. And so she goes through all the things that you are told her to do using, putting all of her momentum, putting it through her plant foot with the motion of her hips. And, uh, and she declares that it's her ultimate technique. Arrow of light sees the star and the ball goes three feet forward and hits the ground right in front of her. And then the guy picks it up and rolls in front of him and takes
1: her out. <laughs> yeah, like she throws it with such force, it hits the ground, bounces up into the air. And then because it was a super shallow throw, it just bounces immediately. And he just like picks up, he's like, Donk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And so everyone's like, oh, wow, the big kid Bill's going to get a star for this. And Harrison's like, we don't give out stars for daily activities in PE class.
1: Who told you that? <laughs> I'd be furious. I'd be like, oh, how dare they?
0: So he walks off dejected, having won for basically nothing. And also because Henry's is like, you know, you you said you should die at a fellow student. That That's not cool. I might have to consider giving you a demerit for that. Uh, but he thinks to himself as uh, Anya's friend and Damien and his cohorts kind of all walk onto the court together. That if anyone's worthy of a star today, it would be these boys and girls who put aside their differences to stand strong in the face of great hardship. And then Damien and I started arguing, he's like, then again, maybe not.
1: Also, I have a problem with that. Should be boy and girl. Uh, Anya's friend and the two lackeys did nothing. Like, I understand the two lackeys nothing. dove in front for him, but they didn't do anything to bridge the gap. And she just got eliminated yeah. on a pretty funny joke where he's just like, sorry, I go lighter on girls." She's like, that's worse. And then he still fucking nails her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this chapter. It's fun. Uh, it's goofy. So
0: my family... Has not had a bad chapter yet. Um, If you haven't been catching up with it, uh, I highly recommend that you pick it up. The entire thing can now be read on Viz. Uh, If you have a Shonen Jump subscription, you can also read it as it comes out on Manga Plus.
1: It's beginning. And we're
0: going to be covering it every couple of weeks.
1: I thought I heard somebody say that it's getting like a bonus chapter or something like that. It must be doing Hmm. really well. I mean, it's one of
0: yeah. I mean, it's one of the most popular things on the Manga Plus site. So I can only assume that yeah. It's very funny, yes. uh, and this chapter is very funny um it was it definitely took me off guard because it has basically nothing to do with the whole spies thing, but a lot of the Anya focused chapters don't because she has a very different kind of thing to have to do um and I like that we can have this kind of thing with between her and Damien where we just have this you know immature bickering between two six year olds that's so amusing
1: so. Yeah. All right, Nick. Let's talk about Eden Zero, Chapter sixty-four. Yes. Reaper. <laughs> oh, no,
0: that, that was that L. was kind of like that was kind of gift wrapped to you, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Ah, uh-huh, Nick. Upon closer inspection, that's actually an L. It's Leaper. There's nothing scary about that.
0: Could it be a creeper Leaper?
1: <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so last chapter, Nino was evil. And he's going to fight Rebecca, who's uh, not all alone, but the only other person who's around is uh, Pino and an energy-sapped Cappy. I don't know if they completely described it. He just can't do anything right now. Yes. So Rebecca's going to have to fight this guy all on her own. And she's like, hey, I don't want to hurt you. I respect you as a fellow b which I don't really even remember him being a B-cuber. I remember well, he yeah, He's super
0: anime. popular is it
1: i he's don't know anani-
0: he's an anime cuber, chris
1: i don't remember because uh, she also mentions later in this chapter that the previous person she fought was also a cuber. and i was like was he
0: he was a sports cuber. he was
1: remember. an athletic athletic workout cuber. i don't remember any of these people anyway rebecca says hey i don't want to fight you and he's like well if you don't fight me the universe can't be saved He's like, don't worry. With oh, anime. Yeah. He doesn't actually say with anime this time, shockingly. Uh, a moment, an entire page went by with Nino on it where nobody said anime will save the universe. Uh, so he's like, hey, I'm going to knock you out with just one punch of my soul arm ether gear. Uh, and he punches and like the ground like kind of explodes. It's just like, holy shit. One hit from that would kill me. I start shooting him and he's like, guns don't work on me. And uh, then one big fist comes at her, and she's like, wait a minute, this feels familiar. I'm up against a beekeeper who fights with his fists, and guns don't work against him. It looks like Rebecca just gets punched in the face. Then we flash back, and she's like, yeah, this is a lot like the guy that I fought at the Coliseum on Milden, or Mildian? I don't have my glasses on, so I can't tell if there's another eye in there. This The time planet world. And she's like, wait a minute, come to think of that. And she's thinking about all the different opponents that they face. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. He, you know, uh, Cheeky fought a big metal guy and now he's fighting a big metal guy. So maybe uh, fucking Zhao Mei was having us all like she could see the future. She knew who we were going to fight. And that's why she had Hamora fight Valkyrie. Because she knew Valkyrie was dead. So it would be the one last chance Hamora had to talk to her. Oh, this was all a plan to train us. they all some kind of hint. And uh, it flashes back to how she won that fight by kicking, essentially. And how she was told, like, oh, yeah, pr- pr- proceed barefoot at this point. And, uh, there's other stuff, too, that... I don't know if this is like they, they call back to when like Valkyrie. There's something that seems
0: to be unrelated that happens to
1: deal with connect. feet. Yes. Yeah. It, like
0: like that's the only thing that she should have had to know was proceed barefoot from this point And the fact that she beat the guy with a kick. That's all that you would need because there's a thing where where, you know, Valkyrie is uh, attacks Homura's pivot foot. And it's like, well, that still has nothing to do with
1: this. (laughs) It's like she said, your pivot foot then turned to Rebecca and is like, you should, you would do well to remember that. Not actually specifically leaving your pivot foot open, but specifically just the general concept of feet. Uh, And that's what happens. Her, Her ankle explodes the clothes around her ankle straight off to reveal her ether gear mark. And we rewind time, which I don't like. I understand what it's meant to do. It's to show she didn't actually get hit, but we're shown. It. I think the implication is that her power might also have time manipulation or some factor to it. Um, but that's not explicitly what she does afterwards. Like we rewind Maybe, time. maybe it's
0: like Echo from League of Legends, Chris, where you oh, actually oh, so cool.
1: Do we want to describe Echo for Chris. the audience? Yeah.
0: Echo's a uh, time manipulation champion in League of Legends who basically rewinds time even if he gets killed uh, as part, as one of his abilities.
1: So It's pretty dope. Pretty dope-tastic. Uh, so, yeah, she rewinds time. And she's like, oh, shit. All the aether is rushing to my feet. And he's like, I didn't make contact. She flew backwards all on her own. Whoa. And, uh, She's like, I don't know what kind of power this is. I'm going to trust it to move forward. And she's really, really fast. And she quotes an episode of Wibble Wobble Ruby Bobble Season 2 Episode 6 that is the anime they referenced before that is mm. extremely significant to the situation. Hand almost as though you'd almost have to be like, did they plan it to be like, she's like, when the man brainwashed by the evil lady villain gets kicked by Ruby and knocks him back to the sen- his senses. Uh, and then she kicks him using the bell holly slash and just fucking kicks him straight in the face. And it's very powerful. And I do like it because as he's getting kicked, he's like, that's the manga's attack name. And she's like, oh, right. And the anime it was the Bell Holly kick. And he's like, well, I like the manga better anyway. She says, me too. And then he's down. Um, and she won. Uh, it turns out uh, she's really, really quick. That's uh, her power. As she says, the power to jump or leap. I'll call it Leaper. And I kind of want somebody to be like, you want to workshop that one one more time kind of feels like you settled on the first thing that came to mind she's like nope leaper uh and then we cut over to xiaomei in my favorite scene of all of eden zero anytime we jump back to Lao Mei on prompt two uh as she speaks directly to the reader and says ah it looks like she's finally activated her ability but this is only just the beginning Who knows? Maybe this power truly will save the universe one day. Yes, the power of possibility. (laughs) Fuck all. I hate it every time we cut to you.
0: (laughs) I actually really liked this chapter until the final two pages, which really took away from the impact of it. Um, I thought that the whole rewinding thing uh, actually carried across really well. Uh, I like the idea, if not necessarily the execution with the choices for what is flashback to that, uh, uh, Rebecca realizes that Jamei was actually preparing them for their conflicts on this planet, which makes sense. She can see the future and stuff. I like her idea that that's why Homura faced the echo of Valkyrie. Uh, but that's just her theory. Uh, and I, like that, her other gear takes a different form than any that we have seen to this point. Usually, it's you know on somebody's arm. Hers is on her feet. It allows her to move really fast. It makes sense, and I like the whole thing that she says where they you know she bonds. She's had this thing that has established her bond with uh, Nino about this one anime, and so she references it when she's kicking him, and it just so happens to be this thing. Even though we haven't seen it before, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um. That's like, hey, I'm going to knock some sense into you just like that one character that we both like. And uh, she does. And hey, Rebecca got a, an actual straightforward one on one combat victory. That's cool. Um, and there was minimal fan service in, involved in it as well. I really think that when she's like, and I think I'll call it this It's just super lame. It's it, it, it's a it's one a lame name and two. She just, like, knows how it all works all of a sudden. <laughs> it's just, like, it's a pretty the ability she used were pretty straightforward. Uh, she moved around quickly, but she's just like, it is the ability to jump or leap. How
1: I don't know if you is know that. that? <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> is that how Ether Gear works in his universe? That like the it's moment like it develops, my brain. <laughs> yeah, you instinctively are like, ah, yes, it is the ability. It seems as though it is the ability to create wind, but what it actually does is move reality around it at such a speed that it creates kinetic energy that seems to be wind. It's like, right, I, right, I, I, all right. I guess you just you you got the power. You got like the Marvel Power Encyclopedia along with it. I guess.
0: I guess this is the first time that we've seen an ether gear actually like manifest in somebody. It's always just been something that the person has had when they we first see them use it up until now. Uh, and also the, the cut to Xiaomei is really lame, too. Like so both of the last two pages are very, very lame, and they take away from what would otherwise have been a really good chapter. so
1: i I, I do agree with you. I like the chapter for the most part. it I don't even really mind the the jumping leaper thing so much. And, I, and honestly, I don't even necessarily mind the last page because I do like that it seems to hint that there's potentially more to this. Like, some people have already been kind sure. of going out. They're like, yeah, maybe she's like Tracer where there's some, some kind of time manipulation in it and she mm-hmm. can go backwards and stuff like that. It's just always the execution with these Xiaomei scenes comes off super lame. Like, this is supposed to be this mystical figure we don't care. Like, who knows who this is? What's their end goal or anything like that? And I'm just like... And we kind of met her. She's not that interesting. (laughs) Like, you know, this isn't like Rod Sterling at the end of like a Twilight Zone where it's like this cryptic figure who's going to lead us on this adventure or anything like that. Like she always just show up, uh, shows up to kind of talk nonsense and every so often, like make a joke at the same time. Like, I just don't find that character particularly worthwhile to jump back to. It almost has to pull me out of the moment more than like enhance it.
0: I also think it's a really lame cop-out to have a character literally turn to the audience and go, but there's probably more to her power than meets the eye.
1: Yeah, like, it'd be enough to be like, oh, hey, it kind of seems like she can manipulate time as well. Like, it's not just that she can move fast. Clearly there's something else, and it's like, maybe her power is the most special power of them all. It's like, fuck off, Let let me decide stuff for myself.
0: What if instead, when they were catching up, you know, like uh, they get through the door and Rebecca is catching up with Weiss, so and she calls it, uh, you know, Leaper, and Pino's like, Yeah, I was watching that fight happen. It seemed like something besides just jumping happened, but who knows? You know, she's, you know, someone who observes it but doesn't know anything about it like Xiaomei does. And then you could have that instead be the hint of there's probably more of this ability than just moving quickly that uh, Rebecca has interpreted from it. So, but no, there's got to be Xiaomei telling you it is the power of possibility
1: and also the weird like foot fetish shot as well too fucking Quentin Tarantino over here
0: Yeah, well there wasn't enough feet focus in this chapter (laughs) until that
1: point Chris
0: (laughs) with all the shots of Rebecca's feet
1: (laughs) but I like despite that fact there's not actually that many shots of her foot in like the grand scheme of things like a lot of it she's actually wearing shoes it's not anything like that but that's just a straight up like, oh, I'm the demur little person with my feet all out. Hope you don't like it's like a shot like, hey, her face and then her feet and then back to her face. Like, all right, whatever, man.
0: It's always weird when you discover that something that you're into the is also being used for someone to explore some sexual thing. And it's like, dude, I don't care if you're into that kind of thing, but I would prefer if you not, you know, put it in this thing that is supposedly targeted towards like 12 year olds because like yeah uh, okay i get it you're in you're into like black guy cuckolds a white girl p- porno but please stop putting multiple instances of it on your wrestling show that is targeted at children
1: <laughs> <laughs> i imagine there was a day where somebody told Vince mcmahon what a cuckold was and he thought, oh. he thought it was the most fascinating thing in the world. And we wow. have just been waiting for the day that he's been able to capitalize on it. Like, because, like, I feel like it wasn't as big of a thing for a very long time. It's taken a lot more since cuck has become like, an, like a more regular insult. So someone must have called Vince a cuck one day. He's like, oh, oh what's a cuck? I don't even understand. What Somebody made the dictionary. Yeah, someone, someone handed me that. And he's like, cuckled. That's a funny word. Ah, we can make someone look really stupid like this. Ah, uh, it's uh who all is married that I don't like? <laughs> <laughs> like specifically, who don't I like that's married? Get me CM Punk and AJ
0: Lee. Like, sir, they're not They don't work here anymore,
1: <laughs> sir. Damn it! Like, get me the other ones. <laughs> you, know, you don't even know their names? You know which ones I'm talking about. Like, yes, sir, we we do, yes. sadly. <laughs>
0: Give me the other ones. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's talk about Yozakura family. Mission seven. Surprise attack. Part one. So this is our the good guys get to do cool stuff chapter to uh, make up for the uh, kind of low points that Tayo has been through in the last couple of weeks. Um we get to a kind of a showcase of each of the siblings abilities, uh, to really actually press forward. Okay. This is what they do, uh, as opposed to just kind of being hinted at, or this is how they've been helping Taiyo out them off mentioning stuff. Uh, no, we get to see all of them in action as, uh, Mutsumi is being es- escorted in, in one of like five freaking flatbed trucks. Uh, and there are four others around them that are just to guard hers, but they have, like, hacked into, like, some security and stuff so that they can re- di- uh, divert all the other traffic away so that they can go all out. They fly in, carried by a bunch of drones, and uh, each of them drops onto a different truck to take it out. Uh, so we see... Uh one of them, hey, trash can guy has all of his gadgets. He kills everyone essentially in the truck that he's dropped into. Uh then uh the I forget his name is his, the,
1: like now or the now.
0: I think it's now. yeah. Uh he just like grabs one of the trucks and just kind of tips it over. <laughs> That's it. It's like, oh I can't get away.
1: <laughs> it's worth noting if you zoom in really close on the art. In the panel where he lifts the truck it almost kind of looks like i don't know if he gets like crazy veins or if his hands like turn into kind of something different but definitely looks like he has physically like different kind of skin there so maybe mm. he uses some medicine to turn himself into something it's he sad is
0: the medical expert so
1: because when i see that i'm like oh please don't be the next elf man you look you seem <laughs> so cool and they didn't do anything <laughs>
0: Uh, the guy with all of the uh, artificial skin just puts disguises everyone on the truck as himself so that they fight each other, which is a really clever idea. And eventually one of them is just like, I'm
1: just going to blow them all up <laughs> and the entire truck explodes. That'd be me. I'd be like, that's so frustrating. <laughs> Kaboom. Uh,
0: and we then Futaba gets onto the main truck. She starts to fight with uh, Hana. Hanawa rather, uh, who uses like a pair of shears as a weapon. And she like stops the blades between her fingers, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then he just like somehow throws her while she's grabbing the the scissors so that she goes out through the back of the truck. But they have actually planned on this because up ahead, uh, Kyoichiro and Tayo are waiting in the middle of the road. And so Kyoichiro is like, all right, so the flower bin's delivery transport vehicles are self-driving. If you force the motor to stop, it self-destructs in order to erase evidence. So how do you stop it safely? The answer is easy. You just stop it while it's running. And he just chops off the section of the bridge that it's driving on and then latches it up into like a big spiderweb, so the engine's still running while it's just stuck in midair. Easy.
1: There you yeah. go. Yeah. I don't know why. Why... Don't, why
0: don't we do that all the time?
1: I don't know why they didn't use this solution in speed. Like, cause now as you say <laughs> it, sounds super obvious. Like you just yeah, tear the doesn't... bridge apart yeah. and to hold it up on spider web uh, razor wire. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, you know, honestly,
1: I never saw the end of the movie. That may be how it actually ends. Maybe. Not, yeah. <laughs> not 100% certain.
0: Don't doubt Keanu Reeves, okay?
1: I, you know, I'm very amused by the fact that there was such like, like I guess not like maybe maybe not a phenomenon, but there really was like a big amount of attention called to a movie where the premise is like I've hijacked this bus and I'm gonna blow it up unless you specifically stay at 96 miles an hour or whatever it was. Yeah, right. and I'm like I'm trying to think like what was the villain's plan out of this? Like I think it was just I thinking, think it was like, a
0: distraction.
1: Oh. Okay, like I'm trying to think. I was like, was it like a ransom or something like that? Because it feels like it's a lot of work. Like I, I, maybe I'm just dumb, but I'm like how would you make, like, oh god, I have to make sure this bus doesn't get below 96 or it explodes. I'm like, I don't know, am I considered? What if it needs gas? Like, does my plan all go to hell because the guy didn't get gas in the morning or something like that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, Kyoichiro tells Taya to go and confront Hanawa while he maintains the stage, quote unquote. Uh, so, he goes out to confront Futaba uh, knows that he can't use the electric gun because Mutsumi will be hit by it as well from this distance, so he rushes into attack. He actually does the exact same thing from the first time that he confronted Hanawa, trying to bash him with the butt of the gun. Uh, and Hanawa's like, well, he's gotten faster, but he's still coming in with this straightforward attack. You lack skill. Grabs the sand to counter it, and Tayo just grabs his wrist as he moves, as he moves to counter it and does a judo throw and throws him to the ground. And Hanawa says to himself, I see. So you've bloomed as Tayo points the electric gun at him. So it's a fun action chapter. Uh, it's nice to see like, hey, these are what this is what these characters can really do when they're in the field uh, now. And I like that they have very, very different approaches from each other uh, and different personalities as well. Um, yeah. And it was nice to have a you know a kind of a triumphant moment to follow up on uh, Tayo just embarrassing himself basically the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So.
1: Oh, I dig it. All
0: right, Samurai Eight, <laughs> Chapter Twenty One: Shining White Blade.
1: <laughs> so, go ahead. I no, I no, I'm, I. There's just a moment in this chapter. Where I kind of had an audible sigh. Uh, And we mentioned how last week, it was like, yeah, this chapter kind of is turning into World Trigger. Like, I kind of realized, like, let's let's do this kind of crazy stuff. We've created this complicated combat system involving energy and regeneration and bodies. And, you know, we could do some really crazy stuff with it. And there's a moment in the chapter where, like, the villain's like, and your regeneration powers won't work here. And I was like... "I." Why did we do that? Why did she make such a big deal about how cool they are? And immediately like, no more! No one can use regeneration in this fight.
0: <laughs> and also they set up so that there's this massive battle royal involving like fifteen hundred and seventy competitors, and then we get a montage to reduce them down to like 120 immediately.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's very specific for S2Y. Because this chapter, based on the ending, is either the last-ditch attempt to make this This super popular, oh yeah, exactly, or this is—we're not gonna last too much longer, guys. Let's start picking up the pace.
0: This is this chapter is such a hail mary. We do see some like hints of cool stuff here, like Darba telling the others to be his eyes, and then he takes out a sniper rifle, <laughs> blind blind cat sniper. I'm I, I'm into it. Never really get to see him do anything with it, just because it's just such a fucking montage. Then one of the guys in the match uh, with Mickey Mouse ears on his samurai helm. Uh, literally shouts into a megaphone to draw attention. They go and attack him and his compatriot has gone and grabbed Anne from behind them. So he holds her hostage, but another samurai comes and cuts him in half and rescues her. And he scolds Hachimaru for not protecting her because he's like, I see, you know, potential in you, but your heroism is weak. You know, you have only taught your sword to sever. That does not make you strong. A samurai what a man, uh, samurai is meant to refine exists between you two. A uh, samurai is not blessed with heroism from the start. It is a force of will. Uh, we're still learning about how samurai work. We're I'm, still learning about samurai and princesses.
1: I'm not, like, I had to also stop too. I'm like, wait, is heroism tangible? Like, is it like key in this universe where there's an actual, like, because they keep referring to it as though it's just like the virtue. Like your your heroism is shallow. But then like on praise and he's like, Ah, such keen heroism. I'm like, I don't. Wait, is it actually energy? I don't understand.
0: <laughs> so, the other samurai, because he and Hachimaru square off because they're in this fight and they're like, we're going to go, we're going to fight each other now. And so, he's like, pray if you do not want to lose your connection, young princess. And so, she thinks on her past and how she was, you know, this kind of reject There, everyone looked down on, and thought nobody thought that she was good at anything. But uh, she even also hints at like there's some stuff going on that because there's she remembers someone saying something about her older brother, but it gets cut off uh, before that thought could be completed because Hachibaru apologizes to her for not being perfect. And it's like, that's okay because that's why I'm here. And yeah, the guy's like, very keen heroism is this aura comes up around them and they slash at each other. And there's like a freeze frame of of Hachimaru's sword and they're all black, except Hachimaru's blade is white. And he's like, what is this? A shining white samurai soul? And Darren was like, you are beginning to awaken at last, Hachimaru. It's like, so... We're, go- we're going with, like, right now for Hachimaru to get his, like, Super Saiyan form, to get his Shikai, because it seems, like, awkwardly timed, and like...
1: Oh, super so. So, this chapter, like, you could tell it, it, unless Kishimoto has lost all ability to coherently tell a story, this absolutely is a chapter, as you said, that's a Hail Mary that's attempted to get people, because narratively, this makes no sense. We literally, the, the chapter prior to this was was the resolution of Hachimaru having a moment about learning that he was weak and bettering himself and succeeding at that. Doing that, you know, big crazy move to score one point off of Ryu and having, like, a big success moment after it. Then, in this chapter exclusively, not even throughout the whole chapter, mind you, the last half of it, Hachimaru uh, goes to attack this guy because he's like, I'll take you down. But by doing so, exposes on. And not like it's just he does this attack, and Daruma's like, "Oh, he exposed on." Like it's not like he made a mistake that you, as a reader, if someone didn't coherently say this to you, would be like, "Oh, Hachimaro clearly just made an error." They're just everyone like the odd like uh, Daruma just tells us like, uh, he fucked up real bad," and they are like, "Yep, you fucked up. You left on there." So then there has to be this big moment about like, "Oh, the two of us have to strengthen our bond." I was like do you i feel like we just handled this like three chapters ago and now we're doing it again all within the time span of like eight pages
0: yeah i mean i think that uh, yeah it, it really feels the things are just like not going so well for this series um and i don't know if it means that necessarily it's going to like you know End one week before Beast Children does, for example, but it seems as though it is not going to last much longer unless something drastically changes. Uh, And you can definitely tell that this whole battle royal thing was supposed to last much longer, uh, and it's not. So,
1: yeah, which is a shame because I actually like we were kind of excited after the last couple chapters. We're like, oh, it seems to be getting back on track, it's doing cool things, but. There's nothing more to than being like, hey, we introduced a cool new way. Like, we're kind of establishing this. Is how we're going to use all of our powers. And Baker trigger was like, all right, no more Tryon bodies, everybody. <laughs> That's... It's, <laughs> it's too fun. And then... We uh, have to...
0: Look, look, Chris. We have spent the last 20 chapters clearly agonizingly going over every little detail about how samurai, locker balls, princesses, key holders, samurai souls bone handles, how all of them work, and what all the rules for being a samurai are, and the relation between them. Anyway, we're doing things different for this part of the
1: story. (laughs) You know, what's so I'm saying is, it's not me, but somewhere out there is somebody... Who loves the lore of this universe. Like, just like how there was somebody out there who must have loved that there was like seven movies about Bionicle. <laughs> like, somebody out there is all about this lore. Somebody out there must really enjoy the samurai 8 lore. And now they have to be upset that it's just like, oh, it's just no! it doesn't matter anymore.
0: <laughs> no, Hell in a Cell is no longer no DQ. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man, I hope they catch shit for that forever. Um hey, uh look. I don't, it's not that I hate this chapter because something to make Hachimaru more interesting is generally a good thing. But as you said, this, this, you know, I don't want to say reeks, but I can't think of a better synonym right now. It reeks of desperation to like just really try to get one big thing in there. And maybe it'll work. Maybe this is what gets people into it. But. I mean, like, narratively, this chapter is just kind of all over the place in the context of the rest of the series, so it's hard to, like, ignore the fact that this isn't clearly this one last big bid to get everyone's attention.
0: Yeah. And I just realized that I forgot to read We Never Learned this week. So this oh, will be a surprise
1: like for me. I didn't miss a whole ton of a lot, Nick. We Never Learned, question 130. Sometimes a genius still struggles with a pizza bet. Uh, so this chapter is all about Femino and Kirisu. So uh, Femino and uh, Uru- Uweka, or should I say, Buega. Buega to go over to the lamb, but imagine the light's flickery night now. <laughs> uh, they're going over to the grocery store because they've been studying. And uh, they're like, hey, let's get some groceries. Uh, I, it is like a sort of funny joke at the start because Firmino's like, let's get some late night snacks. I mean, shop for groceries. Uh, and while they're inside, they see Kirisu. And she has a whole bunch of groceries. So... They help her carry all of her bags back to her place. And she's like, oh, well, uh, why don't you guys come in for tea? Yuega's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. She's 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 going to bring them inside. But her house is always a mess. But it's actually super clean looking. And she's like, well, you know, you have a lot on your plate right now. So I can't keep leaning on you for support. But it doesn't a joke because her closet opens. And, like, a whole shit ton of trash <laughs> bags start falling out. So clearly she's just found a way to push them all in there. And Yuega like clamps his hands over Femino's eyes. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, there's an out of season mosquito. And she's like, I don't really know how this applies to a mosquito. And I don't know. like, just, it's the desperate attempt to try to make the joke work. That makes me appreciate it. So they have, uh, you know, sort of a conversation between them about like, Hey, you know, you did good here, but the next quiz is going to be the ones that really is going to determine if you can get into your target school or not so you know she's just giving her a little bit of lessons on that fact and uh, then eventually she's given like she serves the tea and Fumina notices that the two of them Kirisu and Uyuga have matching mugs and she just has the guest one and then Kirisu's like I'll make some uh, some curry and she's wearing like the lovey-dovey, like, heart apron with all the frills. And she's like, what, what are you doing? Uh, all right, you know what? Uh, I, I bought ingredients for curry, too. I'll make curry along with you. So that becomes the thing. The two of them make curry independently to see who can make the tastier one. And wouldn't you know it, Nick, shenanigans ensue. Uh, Firmino ends up cutting her hand accidentally, and we get a lesson that I should actually look up to see if this is true or not. Famito cuts like her knuckles chopping carrots and you is like, no, don't get disinfected first. The first thing to do is to rush, uh, wash the cuts in cold water and It kills the good bacteria. So you don't want to do that. If you keep your wounds from drying out, they'll heal fast. And I was like, I wonder if that's actually true to keep disinfectant off your hands when you have a cut. Uh, so that's their cute little moment together because he doesn't realize how much he's actually leaning against her because his legs are a little hurt still. Uh, Karasu's moment is she can't find where... <laughs> <laughs> like her, her oven thing. I don't even know what she's looking for. Did she's, I turn? Do I turn off the burner?
0: Do I turn it off? What do I do? Anyway, I'll check inside of the dishwasher. It, I'll check
1: inside the dishwasher for my recipe. She's just looking for whatever's on the bottom shelf of her apartment, I guess. So we can get the shot. Ah, uh, yes, a nice juicy ra-
0: little moment where Fumie, where where Yuiga leaned against Fumino's shoulder and grabbed her hand. And then there's Kurisu's ass.
1: There it is, right there. (laughs) To remind us, once again, that uh, she wears a skirt made of what I have to assume is tissue paper. It's a trash Uh, bag, probably. Yeah, basically. Uh, (laughs) uh, None of the curries are coming out very good. Uh, It's worth noting that, like, Fumito also gets distracted and she just pours essentially an entire jug of oil into the frying pan and Yuega has to be like, you're not making tempura! What are you doing? She's like, oh god, it's on fire! So they both make two very, very bad curries. Uh, the two girls fight with each other, because they're like, oh, your curry's gross. No, your curry's gross. And then Uweka eats them, and he's like, hey, you know... Both your curries not... are gross. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the these are very good, but, you know, me you just got flustered, and you overlook some things. And I think if you just stay calm and collected, you'll actually make really good curry, and teach... I know it's really good that you are committed to following a recipe, but you got to learn to improvise because sometimes things won't go that way and you'll do great. And I think both of you are doing a lot. You know, thank you so much for putting time and effort into this food. And next time, maybe if you work together, it'll be great. So the two of them feel really bad. And they're like, fine, let's do this together. So they make curry one more time. This time together, Nick. And no, wack, no wacky shenanigans happen. Uh, no one has to bend down at any point. No one's top uh, falls off due to a seasoning error or anything no like one that.
0: puts, No <laughs> one puts hot udon down the other's cleavage.
1: Not, no, well, hold on. We haven't gotten to the last page yet. We don't know. Uh, nothing like that happens. They make really, really good curry. And uh, they're like, wow, this is pretty crazy how big the difference is. And Karasu is even so nice to say, Well, you know what? Feel free to come by and cook anytime. So they have a nice little meeting between each other. Then they all take a bite of curry, and everyone but Femino starts uh, like, Ah, water, water. Because apparently it was a recipe for super ultra mega spicy curry. Uh, and Femino is the only one who has a tolerance for spice. That's like the wacky oh. end joke of the chapter. How did they
0: not know what kinds of pepper they were putting in the curry?
1: I was gonna say, like, did you because just... it specifically
0: it specifically calls for Carolina Reaper. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like... I was gonna say, do you just casually have Carolina Reaper hanging around your uh, house? Well, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's a fine chapter. Like, the moment of like super gratuitous fan service is eye rolling mm-hmm. and it's not like a super significant relationship to develop between Kira and Firmino. It's nice that we saw more, but we did just kind of have the same thing like a couple chapters ago. But it's okay. I I didn't hate it or anything like that.
0: Alright, well, let's move on to Dr. Stone. Z equals 124. Invention of gods and devils. So, uh, the Kingdom of Sciences' goal at this point is to get the Petrification Kingdom to use the device, the Petrification device, that they can intercept it. So right now they're working with Moes, who's under the guise of mysterious invader who wears black and stuff, and uh, we see him briefly beating the crap out of the Anubis mask guy, who was one of the guards uh, in the kingdom. But Nick, uh, don't Chris? you mean
1: Anubis? Mask guy! Sure,
0: why not? And uh, when we see him the next day after they've clashed, uh, both of the ears of his mask are broken off now because he got the crap being out of him. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, we ex- get the explanation that <laughs> Gen specifically instructed Moe's to go after a guy who would exaggerate somebody. Uh, exaggerate what happened to make himself look better. Therefore making the forces seem much stronger. So he basically explains that he was like surrounded by, we don't see like what he's saying. It's just a word bubble. And then there's a visual inside of it. So like he, it's him surrounded by like nine spears and then him holding up a boulder in one hand and shooting a laser blast with the other. <laughs> and I love the shot of, uh, Ibarra and, uh, Oh god, I forget I forget a name, but the female guard of them like looking at him in bewilderment and and disbelief.
1: <laughs> like I like how Abara's got like a skeptical, like the one eye down, the other one like the eyebrow quirked up, but she's just like arms crossed, she's like, This is nonsense. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is like... <laughs> not what happened.
0: <laughs> um But yeah, their strategy is quite straightforward. They're going to make their hooded phantom guy scare the enemy with his great strength. Then uh, before they uh, they'll set up something so that they'll have a clear area to plant the drone. They'll uh, set it up so it looks like they've got an army coming over a hill, therefore causing them to send out the stone. And then they'll have the uh, drone go out and intercept it. Hooray. That's what that's what they're going to do. Uh, it's like, well, but that's assuming everything goes smoothly and nothing ever goes ex- exactly according to your plans, do they, Senku? So, yeah. Uh, and Rusu points out like, OK, well, but here's another problem. Uh, Moe's is going to be at the site of the decisive battle. Uh, and um, we get this thing that says that uh, I think that Moses is actually saying this to, yeah, he's saying this to the petrification kingdom and the press, and He says, like, you know, if this, you know, hooded warrior is so fearsome, uh, then that means that both Kirisame and I are going to have to face him together. Uh, and Riosu points out, if they do that and they throw out the uh, device and we intercept it, the moment that we do that, that Moses will kill all of us and just steal it for himself. So, Seku says, that's why I'm cooking up an anti-Mose plan. And uh, we see that Kaseki is at work. He is chopping up his glass-blowing iron pipe that he used for a long time ago. Um, I mean, like, this just happened in, like, the anime, to give you an idea uh, of when they were actually using it. And they've stuck it inside of the fidget spinner, uh, basically. And so Kaseki has no idea what's going on. uh, But he says that he's supposedly crafting this ultimate weapon uh, which, of course, Chrome has no idea what it is. But as the parts are all put together, a bunch of people who are from modern times see see it and realize what it's going to be because it looks like it's a pistol of some sort. It's a really cool-looking uh, kind of steampunky sort of thing because the uh, chambers rotate, like, vertically as opposed to horizontally uh, in order to feed rounds into the barrel. Or that's not the way best way to put it, but the chambers feet around in a circle as opposed to like going around a spoke.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting way. I, I have to wonder if it's actually possible to do it that way. It feels like it'd be more inconvenient than a normal like cylinder. But well, it does certainly give it wouldn't.
0: A cool look. To, you wouldn't be able to fit as many rounds into it as uh, with a like a revolver. So, mm-hmm. um, so. They do this and they're like, okay, man, all right, we've got, we've we've got this weapon that we can, that can be used. But Ukyo speaks up.
1: Chris, Ukyo, is very important. He's very, Nick. Well, you know we shit on Ukyo a lot, guys. Ukyo is the most important character in Doctor Stone. Now let's go out on a limb and let's just establish that now. He is one of the five major generals of the army. Uh, yep. So when he speaks, his opinion counts.
0: Is that just that? That's it.
1: Yep, that's it. Okay. His opinion count—it's so, yeah. very right. significant. Nick,
0: he says that he doesn't want anyone to die. Uh, he, so, yeah, he's like, "This is there is nothing divine or devilish about a tool. It is the people who choose how to use it." Uh, and he's like, "I know you'll tell me to shut up, but I don't want to see anyone die." But he's like, "Well, no. Look, that pacifism is no mere lip service." And it's not just has to do with ethics. When people start dying, then their family and friends can hold a grudge and they'll want to kill us. So we shouldn't kill people because they'll come after us. It's only logical. So you make a good point. <laughs> you I like can't the, make friends with people if you kill their loved ones. Yeah, so.
1: I like the big smiley as afterwards, too. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, uh. I guess that's an argument for pacifism. It's like if we kill people, their families will be mad. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> well, we've all reached the same conclusion then. All right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs>
0: Senku says that it's a pretty slapdash uh, weapon, though. Uh, it doesn't have very strong power. Doesn't have very strong accuracy. The best, in the best case, it will serve as a tranquilizer gun. And so it's like. You mean you'll have tranquilizer rounds? It's like, no, see if we trip someone up with this, then when we steal the petrification weapon, we can turn them to stone and revive them fully healed. So that's no different than a tranquilizer, is it? It's like not. I get your point, but no. (laughs) Uh, So Ryoshi asks, well, wielding a handgun is a tall order for someone inexperienced. And there is barely anyone in Japan who would have experience with doing so. And then they look over, like, well, the only people who would have experience using weapon would be a, a police officer, right? And they look over to Yo, who has also been revived. And they're like, what, really? We're going to give
1: this kind of weapon
0: to him? And immediately he was like,
1: <sighs> it's, it's his big, stupid fucking face that makes it how fucking childishly excited he is that he gets the gun. Like, oh!
0: It can't be a good idea to give a gun to the guy who has no depth perception because there's stone over one of his eyes.
1: Nick, I'll have you know, I doubt that'll ever be a factor. (laughs) Besides, you know, at some point, fucking, uh, he's going to see a snake and his eye's going to pop out and break that other fucking stone piece off or whatever.
0: So, Chrome has doubts, but... Gen and Senko are like, nah, nah. He's a strong candidate, and he's really easy to control. And Gen starts talking about like, yeah, you'll go be go down as the New World's first ever sheriff. And Amaryllis puts on her seduction act in order to be like, oh, you, you and that thing of yours are so cool. <laughs> and yo just gets an even stupider grin on his face he's like yes yes that's right back when i was a cop any trollmakers i spot on the street I had to answer to my little friend like blabbo yeah and they're, they're like this is, a, this is a bad idea i don't know about this but ah uh, he takes out the gun and pow, pow, pow. yeah fires off some shots and they're like he missed all the bottles he set up but uh yo throws the gun then and a snake falls out of the, from the uh, ceiling of the cave and it's dead. And you can tell because not only is there a halo over its head, but there's a word bubble that's coming out of its mouth that says dead. That's how you can tell the snake is dead. It's dead. So they're like, oh my God, he spotted that critter before we did. And, it's, and he killed it. So they're like, yes, we're no longer the hapless sitting ducks we once were. Firearm acquired.
1: Good job,
0: yo. And then yo's like, can't tell
1: that i was actually aiming for
0: the bottles
1: (laughs) it's it's a shame because the shot where he act like the two-page spread where he actually fires the gun is supremely cool
0: it's really looking
1: like seeing him like holster the gun and everything like that even though it's such a goofy looking gun he looks so dope doing it that it's like the moment at the end of it where he's like oh wait no i'm still an incompetent (laughs) goober you're like oh i thought he was gonna be able to be redeemed for a moment (laughs) but he's still a knucklehead
0: yep fun chapter though i was not expecting them to go the route of like yeah we got a gun now but here we are so
1: and you know now that they say it it makes a lot of sense that i do actually really appreciate that yo is playing back into the story it is relevant mm-hmm. like i really dug that it was a really satisfying thing and it was a good way to kind of execute his character
0: Yeah. Plus, you know, all the characters that got brought along and stuff like that. There were a lot of people that went on the ship for this voyage. And it's nice to see so many of them actually get something to do. It makes it feel as though, like, yes, there was a purpose for why these characters were brought along. It wasn't just like, well, logically, this character would come along with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, even thinking about it outside of the two people who are prisoners and Kinro right now. Is there think anybody that hasn't really done anything over on this side of the island yet?
0: Like Nikki, I think.
1: Is she the reporter?
0: No, she's the uh, braided girl who's part of the oh, muscle Oh,
1: that girl. Yeah. I guess she hasn't really done anything super big yet. But I mean, still, that's pretty like that's a pretty great like batting average to have where it's mm-hmm. like.
0: And this, the arc's not over yet, so... Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, 18 out of the 20 people, or whatever the number actually is, like, everybody does feel significant.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they brought Magma along, too.
1: Magma there, yeah.
0: But, yeah. Still, it seems... And it seems, as though, like, as chapters go by, it's like, okay, and this person gets to do something, and this person gets to do something, so...
1: All right, Nick. Let's talk about Seven Deadly Sins. This is Chapter 328, The One Ultimate... So now we're back in the present time. Demon Lord Mm -hmm. has punched himself straight into uh, Escanor, who's gone the one ultimate where he's on fire and uh, looking super duper scary. And uh, he basically just beats the shit out of the Demon Lord for the uh, most part of this chapter. Uh, But everybody quickly realizes, oh, wait, what's this form he's doing? Oh, no, he's converting all of his life energy into magic. He's planning to die here. So all the seven deadly sins are kind of like, no, like, what are you doing? Don't do this. We're, we're a team. And, you know, Melodius even intervenes and he's just like, Hey, what are you doing? You idiot. This isn't what, you know, I didn't invite you into the seven deadly sins for you to act like this. And there's a big moment where he's just like, Hey, you know, do you remember all those times you used to fight with me every time I'd lose my control over my powers and, I'd get clobbered by you so many times until I learned how to command the sunshine and you dared to give me a place to belong when I was utterly alone. Do you have any idea how happy that made me? That's pretty nice. I like that little Mm -hmm. sentiment there. Uh, So, the Demon Lord, I I don't know where this kind of came, like, I know he (laughs) can but he like, he just abruptly makes a giant monster that they all beat up (laughs) super quickly. (laughs) Like it was like I don't know if it's supposed to be like a this big is super <laughs> scary and won't be killed in the
0: same chapter that I summoned it. Go kill those fuckers. <laughs> uh, and
1: they immediately just start beating the shit out of it. But Askenar leaves it here. He's like, hey, I've held a promise in my heart all this time that once this life was ready to be abandoned, I'd instead sacrifice it for all of you, all of my friends in the seven deadly sins. And everyone kind of quietly resolves themselves to presumably what it seems is inevitable at this point. Because Melodius goes into his full kind of demon form and he says, alright, if you're going to stake your life for us, then it only makes sense that we stake our lives for you. And they have a big moment where they're all fighting together doing their big attacks. And he says, hey, you know what? He addresses everyone individually and he's like, forgive me. It's too late for me to turn back now. So I have an order for all of you. Allow me to fight alongside you and Melodius wipes his eyes and says we're friends to the very end
0: ain't we my friend
1: you got a friend in me you got a friend in me you like my Randy Newman Nick I think yes, I, was, yes. I, was gonna, I was gonna tour with it I think.
0: Hey, sure go ahead <laughs> you knock imagine, yourself out
1: imagine going into like a comedy club today you're like i about that Randy Newman guys Oh, about what about like, him? They're like who? are like the Toy Story guy. They're like Tom Hanks? No, the music guy in Toy Story. Oh how does that You get me? <laughs> Look, I know that song. I just assumed it was some old guy who did it. Do you have you're like, oh, I have forty five straight minutes of Randy Newman material. If they don't know who he is, this is gonna get real awkward real quick. You know what, time to just double down. Hey, guys, i I could have put on, like, a mustache and wig, and you got a friend, and they're like, do you know any other songs I have? am like, admittedly, no. Does Red no. Newman have a mustache? <laughs> you know, no, You know, I'll be honest, Nick, I don't know what he looks like. I don't know any other songs. Ryan. I just know how he sings.
0: And you're gonna get 45 minutes out of this.
1: I was really hoping people would so be so doubled over in laughter at me singing. Got
0: <laughs> just like you, just most of your notes for your standard routine are just pause for laughter.
1: <laughs> my my notes read: Do Randy Newman impersonation. Encore, 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 encore. <laughs> pause to run through crowd giving high fives. Encore. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's a good chapter. I, You know, I they're really hammering in the idea that this could be the end for Escanar And it's gotten me to the point where I don't know either way. And that's usually a place I like to be at, where I could see them going either way. And if they do keep him alive, it doesn't really feel like a cop out, because it feels like they really have done enough to earn keeping that character alive. But if they do kill him, that's, you know, everything's been set up for it.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. Okay, Chris, speaking of characters going to die, possibly, but their friends want to stand beside them. The Promised Neverland, Chapter 153, Coward. So we uh, get a two-page spread star of this one. Norman's sitting in a chair with ruins behind him and uh, presumably Emma and Ray approaching him in the foreground. Is this symbolic? Uh, as in... Uh, was-
1: Were you butterfly guy at this point? Where you're like, is this symbolic?" Is this
0: symbolic? (laughs) No, I was going for for 90s Michael Cole. Mm. Is this symbolic? Did he say that a lot? He said that when the big boss man was getting hung from Hell in a Cell. (laughs) Is this symbolic, King?
1: (laughs) It's like, no, I think he's just being murdered.
0: (laughs) Is this symbolic for what the ministry wants to do to the corporate team? I think it's, I think it's literal for what the Undertaker's doing to the big boss man right now, which is hanging him <laughs> in there,
1: front of. <laughs> there needs to be like a top ten greatest like WWE announcer quotes, so and that needs to be on there. And then somewhere down to, like the bottom could be the Yu, Yu show. I love that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so Emma and Ray have arrived. Just too late. Norman's killed all the royals. Uh, He apologized for them being late for not making in time while staying in front of a bunch of corpses. Uh, It looks as though uh, Zazi is in the background trying to put his mask back together. I think that's what he's doing. Anyway, they're all dead. And we actually get a little bit of Norman kind of doing a little bit of a red dwarf. They're all dead. We made them kill each other. They're dead. All of them. The queen, the rescue, all of them dead. Yeah, Uh, Emma gets upset and says, hey, we made a promise. We can escape to the human world. You don't have to fight. You don't have to eradicate all those all these people. And everyone just says it's too late. Their reign is gone. The imperial rule that has lasted for thousands of years is gone. There's no government anymore. We can't make peace with them. I killed that guy. The last one. He's dead. We put a crack in this world. A fatal fissure. That sounds like a finishing move of some sort of... Someone do that in, like, an anime. Call it Fatal Fisher. Yeah. But he says, One poke now and it will all shower to pieces. All the demons will die just a bit more until they're extinct. We can't turn back. Eradication is the only option. And Emma just says, No. No. We don't have to do that. You don't have to murder these people. There's no need to do it. And I don't want them annihilated. I don't want you to become a killer. So, no. And Norman... Is like, well, come on, no. I don't try to talk me out of this. And Emma says, even if it's impossible, let's find a way. No matter how difficult it is, we can't give up. It is never too late. I've decided that I won't let you kill yourself anymore. I won't let you go alone. And I was like, What you talking about? What are you? I'm like, cool. what? What? And Emma says, You're a liar? And I don't trust you, and you're not gonna fool me again. Like, I know I know you. Like, we are family. I see through what you've been saying. And she says, back when I asked you, you know, isn't it tough? When she was hugging him way back before they set off, she says, you didn't answer me then. But you're really suffering right now, aren't you? But because you're smart, you chose a path that was certain. Your kindness is making you shoulder all the burden. You don't want to do this. You don't want to massacre them. So don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. Tell us what you're hiding. Tell us what you're afraid of. And she says, right now, you look like a small child to me, shaking with fear. And Norman thinks to himself that he has been scared for a very, very long time. Uh, When he was on his own in the facility, being experimented on with mysterious drugs all alone. But he had hope and determination that he was going to get out alive. He had to do whatever it took. There's even shots of him when he's in the facility. He's like vomiting. Uh. As the drugs that he's been given start to take their toll on him, presumably the toll that has continued to this day, making him vomit up his own blood. So he promised that he would do whatever he took, not give up uh, and basically just told himself, it's going to be OK. I'm strong. I can make it. I'm almost there. And so he tells Emma in the present, just stay away from me. Look, I've come this far and I'm not turning back now. And Emma refuses. She runs up to him and Norman thinks to himself that she runs up. I'm scared of demons. I'm scared of a world we don't know. I'm scared that my mistake could get Emma, Ray and everyone killed. I'm scared. I was scared. And that's why I chose the certain path, because I'm scared. I'm shouldering everything. And Emma basically perceives all of this. You know, she's like, look, I'm, you're strong and you're smart and you're kind but you're also arrogant and a coward, so you don't have to be scared. You can believe in us. You can share that suffering, pain, and fear with us. And Ray's like, I'm Herto. Yeah, stop acting cool. Yeah, I I have a line. I I'm important. We're family. Uh, we all Emma, matter. But mostly me. I'm just looking cool in the background. That's all that's why I'm being quiet. Emma says to them, it might be Ray actually saying this. What do you want, Norman? Like, we have we don't want a future where we're going to suffer. We want to be together. But what do you want, Norman? And Norman starts to falter. But he says, look, I'm already a place where I can't go back and I don't deserve to be with you. And they're like, look, we know what you've been doing with the poison around everywhere. We know that you tried to kill Mujigo and Sonju. We know about the experiments underground, but it's not too late. It's okay if you're weak, if that's the real you. We can waver, struggle, and laugh together. Let's live together, Norman, this time for sure. And Norman embraces both of them, and he admits to himself that he wants to live with Emma and Ray. But he says, it's just not possible. We don't have much time left. I can't live with you. And the chapter closes with him falling to his knees and crying, begging Emma and Ray to help him.
1: So, this was a bit of a chapter, wasn't it? <laughs> There's a lot that happens here, and so much of this chapter is, like, the big kind of meeting between these characters, Uh or, or a big sort of discussion, rather, between these characters. And it's a little tough to know exactly what to think. Um I do... You know, enough has been built. These are the three characters for the first fucking chapter of the series, so it's not as mm-hmm. though their relationship is anything we haven't explored before. Uh, it felt a little bit like maybe we didn't have long enough to think that there was a lot of doubt in in or er, in Norman's Norman. plans. But maybe we just kind. Maybe I just need to go back and reread some of those earlier chapters before this idea of like the young child behind him who acts as his conscience. Has was kind of only introduced like last chapter, last. but maybe that showed up before and I just don't remember it. So
0: we did get the shots of him like earlier, like vomiting up blood and stuff. Yeah, so. well,
1: we got the idea that he he knew he was dying. Yeah, that it seemed he didn't like enough there have was time. Yeah, that, that clock was going or something like that. But yeah, I'm curious, like. I think what I'm really interested in is how do Barbara, Vincent, and uh, uh, um, the bad guy. Um... Zazie. Butnick, don't you mean Bazaarzealbub?
0: That's pretty good. I'll give you that one.
1: Boom. Got it. I don't care what the fuck they're doing. I got you to say the name again. All right. Boom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And on that note, yeah. Um, I'm kind of with you in terms of like, I don't really know what to think of this yet. This was definitely an interesting uh, thing to do because we've had, you know, a month and a half or so of just like this invasion, this war going on. And it's like, yeah, that's done. Um, the fight with the royals and stuff, that's all settled. They're dead. The government is gone. Yeah. <laughs> They've been slaughtered. So, but... We've got the idea of like they were all evil people, though. They were bad, not just to uh, humans. They were bad to each other. And we've seen that, you know, most of the demons in their everyday lives, they yeah, sure. They eat meat that comes from the farms and stuff. But it's the same kind of thing of like, yeah, they didn't directly kill humans, though. So it makes more sense to be merciful to them. And now it's a matter of like, okay, can we actually do something so that we don't just commit genocide and wipe out this entire race that has wronged us, but probably doesn't deserve a punishment going that far? Uh, And what are going to be the consequences of it? And can they do it in time if they've got this timetable with uh, Norman and the other sickness and stuff like that? So this seems to be a matter of like, okay, this part of the story is done. and there's another part and another obstacle that has to be approached now. And it was kind of unexpected to so suddenly hit the uh, turn there uh, and just resolve like, OK, yeah, they've actually settled things with like Norman all in one chapter. Uh, but it's it doesn't feel horribly rushed, though, to do that, just because, like you said, we know Norman and we know him and we know Ray and we know their bond. So. This doesn't feel completely unnatural. In order to, I think, really fully uh, judge how good or bad this is, we are going to need to see where this goes to.
1: How this actually plays out is going to be just as important.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All right, Nick. Let's talk (coughs) about Bulak Clover. Page 223. The whatever family. I can't read it on my glasses on right now. The the Gordon family. Uh, So... (laughs) This chapter is about Gordon's family. Uh, yeah. The much-asked question. And uh, it, it was... certainly unexpected. Yeah. Unexpected. Uh, it feels somewhat intentional that maybe uh, to, uh, Tabata knew that this would be coming out around the holiday season, because this is a very spooky chapter. Uh, so there's no lead-up to this. It's just Gordon going, huh? And then we cut to a flashback... Of Yami walking up and say, well, we don't even see him saying it. Just Gordon saying, my house? And that's where we're going. They just say, hey, you know, your family's kind of known for their curse magic, right? So let's go ask them about the curse magic. So Gordon, Asta, Gray, and Gouch head over to Gordon's house. Which yes. is a and
0: also Sekre's there in Nero form.
1: Yes. I should I guess that is worth noting. It's tough to say, I guess, because when she's in Nero form, she doesn't do anything per se. Yeah. Uh but they all head there, and Gordon's house is a spooky murder mansion. <laughs> uh they note that, yeah, you know, he it's a distinguished family cursed mages. Uh, his family's trade was cursing people and it was kind of impossible because of that for him to make friends. And we find out that he has sort of left his family, uh, and hasn't kind of returned to them in a very long time. So, uh, his family opens the door and, uh, it's his father, mother, little sister, and grandma, and they all look exactly like him, the exact same face. And he even has a pet dog who also looks exactly like him, who bites him on the butt. Uh, And the only real part of this that's worth, like, commenting on is the dad's like, oh, you've come all this way. Which is an inflection. We're actually meant to believe that's how they talk. And Gauss looks at the father and father. He's like, I don't get it. Why do you two look alike? (laughs) You're not genetically related. (laughs) I thought that was amusing. Yes. Uh, so they're having an awkward family dinner. A scary
0: situation to be in.
1: I, I, again, we're, we're meant to believe that they actually, like, quietly murmur creepy things to themselves while they eat as well, because everyone else is eating in silence, but all the members of Gordon's family have spooky speech bubbles of gibberish next to their face. <laughs> so, uh,. Goush, being the only one here with any level of responsibility, is like, this is really awkward. Will you guys say anything? Uh, but Ass is just like, this food looks gross, but I can eat it. And that's his contribution to this chapter for the most part. Uh, there's a moment where Goush's little sister gives Gray uh, uh, something. And Gray's like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's a screaming eyeball. <laughs> thing. <laughs> Uh, Gauch's grand or sorry, Gordon's grandma goes up to Gauch and is like, oh, is that you, Nathan? You've gotten so big. Um, and I wonder if that's meant to lead into anything, but it's not. I guess she's just senile. I was trying to think if Nathan was somewhat different, but that is the father. So I was like, yeah, yes, a brother or something. And I was like, nah, just a joke, I actually see now. Uh, but eventually Gordon's like, hey, Dad, we need to talk. I basically abandoned the family's name and it's not my place to ask but I have a friend now and for the sake of that friend, I need to know everything about curses and devils and his dad does like a dun-dun and like a zoom across his face because he doesn't react to it and he's like, sure (laughs) sure and he gets up and he's like I will show you my hex research worthy of a family with centuries of expertise in curse magics and secret arts of deals with demons and plagues and he shows them his horror mansion and Grey does her absolutely best Junji Ito impression which it's a
0: really nice little detail Yeah, kind of wish there were a little bit more uh, panel space given to it but yeah uh,
1: do appreciate that though uh, and he's like, yes, this is my beautiful research lab. Do you like it? And he's like, uh, Gord's like, I knew it. You're doing wicked research. And he's like, no, my son, I've been waiting for you to return to us. Your poison magic is a talent worthy of inheriting my research. And he's like, no, I don't want it. I just here for the devil related curses and I'm just doing this for ass. I don't care about coming home. And he's like. But I could teach you everything of my curses and poisons and drugs. He's like, what do you think life is? He's like, but humans die quickly. It seems you don't understand. So experience it for yourself. And shoots out like these black veins. And Asta tries to block it with all his swords. But then one pierces him in the throat. And we see it through like a silhouetted image of Asta's being pierced. And then he goes up to him. He's like, huh? I'm fine. He's like, Yes, it appears your temperature is very normal. <laughs> and then he just explains, he's like, we're actually good doctors now, son. You should have just talked to us at some point. And that's the whole joke of this chapter, is that Gordon is like, not talk to his dad at all at any point. He's like, yes, we used to do spurky curse things, but now we just heal people. <laughs> so that's it (laughs) I'll uh, help you now (laughs) so the end of it is he's like let me show you where all the curses are in the area and they like they see them all kind of lighting up and they're like oh hey there's one at the black bulls headquarter oh well that must be Henry and then there's one over there (gasps) what's that in the heart kingdom so implications that they're going to the heart kingdom and uh, that's a chapter Nick, what'd you think about it?
0: Uh, I didn't hate it. Um, (laughs) like it didn't do a lot for me, especially because it was like, Hey, here's this character who's done literally nothing important up to this point. And here's a bunch of stuff with him and character development and resolving a conflict that might have been given some lip service at some point before. I think it might've been brought up, but I don't remember anything really important about it. But yeah, so... Good for the 12th most important member of the Black Bulls getting that whole thing resolved. All right. It was amusing enough on its own. Also seasonally appropriate. Uh, so it was fine enough.
1: I don't. So I, I wish we'd actually gotten it played up more that Gordon's thing is that he's supposed to almost be like the Halloween spooky character. Like, I know he's kind of got a spooky appearance and his magic is is kind of dark. And that's why he kind of doesn't like to use it. But I never really got the impression he's kind of like the horror monster character of this mm-hmm. group or whatever. Like when you see his house, you're like, wow, it feels like you really should have been playing up like the goth creepiness of this character more. Because there's actually a lot of humor within this chapter that's really funny. Um, I do I love the joke and only the way Black Clover could do it where it's just like Dad, you don't understand. I care about life. I'm not going to follow your path. I, I'm valued my friends and everything like that and I won't I won't do your dark research anymore. He's like, but son, you never asked. We hear people now. And it's like, oh cool, this conflict has been abruptly solved immediately as <laughs> a joke. Alright.
0: Um... They do mention that it started with his generation as well, with the father's generation. So, presumably, that grandmother who is adorably senile and is mistaking uh, uh, ga- Gauche for him as actually, it was like actually a horrible torture people cursed monster. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, now nah, just you
1: say it, yeah, I guess not nearly true. so sweet and old, and <laughs> she. They're just like, ooh, just watch out for her or she'll stab your neck and try to sew maggots into it. <laughs> like, wait, hold on. <laughs> you waited until we got to dinner to make it. Nana, dinner?
0: how many times do we have to tell you no family-wide curses at the dinner table?
1: You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I want to genocide your whole family. <laughs> Uh, oh, I think you, think you can just put me away and not let me genocide the whole family. They're like, oh, just like that super dope moment in Order of the Stick where V goes evil. <laughs> uh, I was one of the three who... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I was the one with purple eyes. <laughs> uh, so I actually, I do appreciate too, and this isn't something that I've kind of noticed. I don't know if a lot of this has kind of been retcon to explain this or, and this is a full admission... I just don't pay enough attention to Black Clover, but how many members of the Black Bulls are now kind of being connected to curse magic and devils? Yeah, uh, between Noel and uh, and Asta, and now Henry. Gordon, Henry. I, I mean, you could probably even justify a couple other characters being connected. Like, I don't think we know a ton about Luck, so you could even rationalize something there. Um, Vanessa herself is part witch like there's there's a lot tying into so I appreciate that it kind of gets these other characters involved and makes them feel significant to this story so I, I do enjoy that aspect
0: hmm. alright let's move on to one piece chapter 958 the promised port I actually think that we can probably get through this chapter relatively quickly because there's a lot of time that's Foot on just one conversation that happens at the end, but this is kind of a chapter that occurs in like two parts. The first is a flashback to uh, see Roger's crew uh, all together. This is back during the, you know, the, the but just before the great age of piracy. And uh, so this is to show, you know, hey, Odin's hanging out with Roger's crew, and we see a bunch of, you know, people there that you would, you know, expect to be there. Like there's Raleigh, there's uh, Buggy and Shanks, and of course, they're uh, they're fighting with each other. Um, Buggy objects to the name that he's been given because he's like, why are you only calling me the Jiro, which means second son? Hey, why, why does everyone else get a cool title except me? It's whatever. Japanese naming joke. Yay. Um, but this is the point where Odin has gotten word that the country wants, you know, been back uh, or something like that. Where was it exactly? He's like, yeah, so the Kazuki clan, uh, you know, wants I have to go do this by myself. I can't take you with me to do all this stuff. And I've always had my reservations about why the land of Wano must keep its borders closed. I can't leave the country behind and then come back and demand to make me the shogun. But I will find a way to pass this will on. I shall work with my excellent vassals that I left back home to open the land of Wano and wait for a future in 20 years from now. And, uh. That's it. 25 years have passed. Now we enter to want to arc act three. Hooray. We get an explanation then that, hey, just because it's really nice weather during this whole festival that's going on that Orochi and company are enjoying. And also it's happening in the flower capital. Yay. Everyone's enjoying the nice weather. Uh, the regions of Wano are separated extremely, and the daily weather is equally different by location. So, meanwhile, over the Tokage port, there's a
1: fucking monsoon! (laughs) It's perfectly fine over here on this part of the island, but over here... (laughs) It's just how weather works in the One Piece universe. Deal with it.
0: Just deal with it. So... uh. Monosuke and Shinobu and Kinemon and the scabbards are all together and uh, they're at the port and uh, things are bad. Um, There's massive waves and not a single ship uh, is there. And uh, so they're like, where is everyone? I mean, there wasn't a single person at the excavation camp either. Uh, Where are our soldiers? Uh, They're saying that there are signs that the port was attacked. Nobody's responding on the uh, transponder snail. So they're like, this is it. this is this is Tokaga Port. This is where we were supposed to meet. Where is everyone? What's happened? Did so much change in the span of just a single day? What has happened to everyone? And uh, Kinemon tries to contact everybody, Luffy, Hyogro, uh, the Musketeers, law. Nobody's responding at all. So they're like, we can't do this. You know our enemies are number 40,000. We need more help. We can't do this. Alone, we've waited all this time to do this. Where is our help? Where are our? Where, where is our assistance? They have to assume that something has happened to all of them. Meanwhile, Dogstorm is like going for like a boat that is kind of is looks a little bit beat up, and he's like, "We can use this to get over there." And they're like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> Just like nine of us going on a canoe across that?" Yeah. <laughs> And then we cut over briefly to uh, fucking, what's his name? The, the uh, Shogun, Orochi. Yeah. And uh, we just get a little narration that says, the incident already happened the previous night. And we're not getting a chapter next week. So that's.
1: Man, Oda, I hate him because he does these. I'm very happy that he gets to actually enjoy time with his family and rest. But fuck, he leaves us on like the best cliffhanger chapters where I'm like, I really really want to know what happens next like because what ex- happened i'm expecting not only something that's like kind of crazy but like this moment is so perfectly built up for a cool like revival moment when like <clears throat> actually the heroes show up because you're seeing all these characters on the port and you can see them just devastated like the show yeah. where you see um oh god what's the kid's name? Mom-nosuke. Damn! Try to think of a quick Halloween pun, but I couldn't. Uh, mum- I said the wait, name. I said, wait, said the name but too quick. Nick, mom, don't you mean mommy No escape, Forget I said anything. Spookmaster General. Yeah, always, that's what always, I
0: said. That's that. There was no, there was no hesitation. Uh, that's that. That's my quick wit going into action.
1: <laughs> third, third lore fact. <laughs> Spookmaster General. He never makes mistakes. Everything is deliberately tactfully made. Uh, calculating move. I'm like Xanatos from Gargoyles. <laughs>
0: Even when I pretended to fuck up, I was just pretending. I uh, that.
1: No, that was just to, uh, that was just to lull you into a false sense of security before Mummy Suke destroys <laughs> you, just destroys your mind. <laughs> um, well. but yeah, no, I, I like you see him cr- like crying because it's like yeah. this is it, this is everything, and this we've failed. Like twenty years have been put into this, so it, it's it feels devastating. All this time has been kind of building to this, and. You do want to see the heroes come together, yeah. That's about it. I
0: look forward to seeing what actually happened. This was kind of a big tease to me, so yeah. But it's an effective tease. All right, World Trigger. World Trigger. We're gonna start with chapter one hundred eighty-six, Hughes Part Eight, featuring Hughes not really getting to do anything cool because everyone's just like dogpile that asshole. Um. Huh. He is on defensive. It's kind of curious. Like, the that's, entirety of both these chapters. As I
1: say, it's kind of curious he gets the chapter title.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see basically that, yeah, um, Chica and Yuma have basically met up. Uh, Osamu is making his way towards them. Um, we also get a little bit of a, a little detail of like, hey, so, yeah, what they're going to do is, you know, they're going to meet back up. And once they're together, Chica's meteor will end it all with a bang. I mean, I got kicked out of the meeting two days ago, but I got a feeling that's what they're going to do. Let <laughs> me see, like, a little shot of Yotaro and, and Scruffy Hyde. You know, you're an official commentator. You can't be here for this strategy. <laughs> so and I love that one of the other commentators is like, what a sad chapter in your life.
1: What a pathetic person you must be!
0: <laughs> oh man, so that's what the so they're like okay. Well, then there's uh, also time to come too. The three of them could meet up and then they'd hang it, hang head over to Hugh's position potentially. Though needing to stay hidden will hamper their speed for sure. Uh, then we cut over to uh, the sniper who's keeping an eye on Yuma and uh, Chica as they make their way through uh, the alleys. Uh, then yeah, everyone converges on Hughes pretty much. Uh, everyone spots him briefly, uh, even as though he's got his bagworm on, uh, they can still keep track of him because their snipers are keeping a bead on him. And, uh, they encircle him and, uh, he's like, all right, well, that's it. Just fight time. Uh, (laughs) like he's keeping track of them on his radar as he's trying to make his way around, uh, there is just enough of a warning of uh, that he's able to, like, dodge uh, the Yakoma Whirlwind. He managed to block a sniper uh, shot from an Ibis. Uh, then gunners come up, gunners come up, bullets, swords. Everyone's going after, after Hughes. Yes, he he's using all of his uh, different triggers to summon up barriers and shields, having to block sword strikes with his own blade. And finally, Osamu and Chika and Yuma have all met up. And there, he's like, okay, we've gotta provide him with cover, because there's no way that we're actually going to make our way over to him in time, so we have to just cover him from a distance. And second chapter starts up on that note as well. Uh, with Osamu saying that uh, it's uh, by the way, Yuba Squad Part 2 is the name of chapter.
1: But nick, don't you mean Booba Squad"? Ooh. Yes,
0: that's what I meant. Sorry, my mistake.
1: So that the last going. chapter, wasn't it? <laughs> You're
0: like trying to make up for how lame the puns are with just sheer force of will.
1: <laughs> that's, that's my entire purpose. I can't do anything very well, but I'll make it theatrical. <laughs> so,
0: anyway. Osama says speed is key before Ninomiya's squad can close it on you. You'll fire off a shot to help Hughes and then rush to meet up with him between Hughes's ace in the hole and Chica's lead bullet sniping. We can bust open a pole for him. Meanwhile, he'll be monitoring Ninomiya and Suji, and he's already set up dummies and wire traps in the area to buy them some time. And so he's like, Chica, can you do that? Chica says, yes. Uh, and so they're like, all right. Um, everyone's kind of like recapping where everyone is heading. We get a lot of shots of just like communicating, Hey, this is where this person's headed to to alert their teammates and stuff. Meanwhile, yes, everyone is still trying to kill Hughes. Ecoma is, has actually closed in on him. Uh, and so they're both getting bombarded with bullets. Uh, Hughes's arm gets blasted off by a barrage. Uh, some of the people closing on Hughes turn on each other. Uh, but no one else is really taking a hit yet. And uh, Inukai is also pinning stuff down from a distance. Uh, and so the commentators basically say like, yeah, so last time Hughes got to show his overwhelming strength. So now everyone is just trying to kill him. And Konami's like, well, it's not going to be easy for them to do that.
1: I mean, uh, she's not wrong. At least it is. She's like, demonstrating that yes. to be really difficult.
0: Uh. But they also point out that, yeah, they're trying to get some assistance over to uh, Hughes, but Tanoka is keeping an eye on them. And uh, they say that he is a sniper who specializes in stealth ops. You can be sure the first shot he fires will hit its mark. Recently, he rose to third place in concealed support training. And Konami's like, what? Those stats exist? (laughs) (laughs) That's not exactly what she says, but that's essentially like, what the hell? How do you know that? Um, the other, the third commentator says that based on sniper movements, I'm guessing Yuba told him to mark uh, Amatori. Hershio can even block an Ibis shot, so he'll wait to the moment she attacks to snipe her. And so, sure enough, Tanoka's got them all in his sights. And he's like, all right, when she takes her attack, that's when I take my shot. Um, we get some more people wondering where the hell they are. Cutting around. But then, before uh, they put the plan to effect, because Osama signals to Hughes, hey, we're going to fire off uh, an IPA shot with Chica. And he's like, no, use Meteor, drop a big one right where I am. If I'm lucky, I'll survive it. And even if I don't, I'll bring down all the enemies around me all at once. Look, as long as we get those four points, it doesn't matter if I actually live through this match. So Osama's like, all right, you got it. Chica. Uh, do, you, do you use the, get as close as you can in order to fire them before you fire the meteor Kuga trip, check the radar and direct her where to aim. And he was like, all right, you got it. And as a, re- con- as a consequence of this, the two of them who are on the roof move around the water cooler so that Tanoka now doesn't have a clear shot. And he's like, what? It's in the way now, <laughs> which is a, a detail that I love that it's like they changed their mind and that's why he doesn't get a clear shot at them. And that's it. It's not like, ah, we'll be have more covered this way. It's just pure fucking luck. Uh, Hughes is starting to take more and more damage. He gets some holes blown in his leg as well. Uh, so things are getting worse and worse. Uh, they get uh, they get Chiori to mark the spot for the meteor to go on. Chica summons her meteor and everyone's like, oh my god! <laughs> She's going to blow all of them up! Uh, and Immediately, Tanoka's like, "Oh, okay," blam, and he shoots the only thing that is that he can see, which is the corner of Chica's giant ass meteor poking out from the over the top of the tower, and it explodes right on top of her and Yuma, and it was like, "Oh my god!" And then the debris clears, and Chica summoned a shield around them at the last second. (laughs) You
1: had to like, you had to enjoy Konami like as or no just konami sorry uh yeah. as fucking like her soul is leaving her body <laughs> after she sees that they survived oh my god it's such a
0: great shot but also her reaction to the explosion like oh god <laughs> so yeah and and everyone like actually is like oh hey she could have had some a good reaction there so she didn't use that in the match uh, prior so she's actually improved at this point uh, and Tanoka's really upset that uh, that didn't kill them because, I mean, <laughs> the huge explosion should have. But, of course, this is still bad for Tamakoma too because their plans failed, their positions exposed, and uh, Hughes is getting taking more and more damage. So what are they going to do? So good stuff in these two chapters.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, we'll have to wait until next month to actually see what happens as a result of it. But... There's enough, like, kind of aces in the hole still left, like Osamu set up wires. Uh, Husei hasn't revealed that he knows how to change bullets. So Mm -hmm. there's some stuff left to still do, and I'm curious to see how those all play out.
0: Yeah, so. But overall, you know, the two chapters are like, hey, we're going to come up with a plan and we're going to implement it and then it fails. So really solid uh, story going on there. And that's going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week, guys. Thank you for coming out for the live recording. Let's name our favorites for this week.
1: Hmm. Go first on chapter. I'm not sure this week.
0: I went back and forth on some stuff, and uh, I am, I think, going to go with Spy Family okay. just because it was just amusing from beginning to end. Uh, I don't think that there are any flaws that I can point to in it. We'll give a special mention to Eden Zero for almost having a really good chapter. And if not for those last two pages, really sapping away uh, from it for for me personally, would have probably named it instead.
1: I don't. I'm not like in love with this chapter per se, but I think it's a chapter that kind of has me the most excited. So I'm going to give my chapter of the week to One Piece. Mm -hmm. I was really, really excited to see what's going to happen next with One Piece. Um, So I'm going to give it there uh for mvp i'm giving it to yo though yo is such a fun like it's yo he's the one who uses the gun this stupid face right after he gets handed the gun is just so perfect and then seeing him actually look cool when he's firing it just for like the end for him to be like oh god i didn't actually i wasn't aiming for that at all uh and
0: i'm gonna give mine to rebecca because hey you know what she at least got to do something important and uh it was pretty cool the way it all came together um If only she had just kept her mouth shut for that one last page she appeared on. (laughs) But oh well.
1: Uh, I'll call it Leaper. That's not lame at all. (laughs) I'm very creative. You see why I'm a B-Cuber? Oh god. (laughs) She's the kind of person who she creates uh, uh, like a box opening series and calls it like box openings. Like she's not come up with a creative title or anything like that. She's like, it's my box opening series. I'll call it my box opening
0: series. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like Rebecca's box opening series. It's Rebecca's my box opening series.
1: Or like, cat a cat girl opens or anything that's like connected to her brand or anything like that. It's just called box opening. And she's like, why is the algorithm not putting me at the top? Uh, it's worth noting that our audience is full of Roll Trigger whores. So, of course, Roll Trigger won Favorite Chapter of the Week. And Husei Huse tied with Hawks for MVP of the Week. Although, it's also worth noting there were a lot of different votes across for a Character of the Week. So, it wasn't like a unanimous victory for anybody or anything okay. like that.
0: Well, that's going to do it uh, for week mug recap this week. We record the show usually around 730 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Smashcast.tv slash Twitch.tv slash is where we stream. Uh, you can make sure to follow us at Dick Podcast, at RolloT, at Nick F Time on Twitter. Check out our past episodes on com, iTunes, YouTube, comment, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you would like to send feedback to us, if you'd like to ask us questions, if you'd like to suggest manga for us to read, check out the Discord server. That is where you can find the Google Doc that Ninja 3 i maintains that contains all the past suggestions, the stuff that we're currently working through. Chime in on stuff that has been suggested already to make sure that uh, that encourages us to actually read it. We'd like to, spe- to give special thanks to our Patreon supporters. You'll ask to do bonus content for you guys to enjoy. Special so, thanks to Steve tire artist. You can target his artwork in a number of different places. He draws boobs. Uh, Infamous Planet, best stuff that you do. Makes the frame for us and stuff. Opening sequence by Mallow Jack Stillitz. He's on SoundCloud. Winsdale Cheddar, he's on YouTube. And uh, yeah, that's it. We will have happy sugar life for you guys probably next time.
1: And next week, the full origin story of the Spookmaster General.
0: Is this going to be something that you like actually slowly unveil, or that you just like keep on teasing you're going to do and then just never do?
1: Uh, Nick, I'm trying for a Sister Abigail here, where I allude <laughs> to her a couple times. I suggest we might actually call up a wrestler from NXT to actually be Sister Abigail. Then it's suggested that she's dead and her power uh, rests beneath me. And then I'm going to put on a bunch of really bad makeup, uh, get mono, and everyone will forget about that story to the thankfulness of history.
0: (laughs) And that's what you call a bookend, everybody.
1: (laughs) Good night.